Welcome to Lift and Love Conversations, where we are building a supportive culture around LGBTQ families in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I'm Allison Dayton from Lift and Love, and I will show you how to lean into your spiritual discomfort to deepen and grow your testimony of Jesus Christ. And I am Jenny Hunter of Jenny Hunter Coaching. I will help you identify obstacles that could get in the way of sustaining healthy relationships and realizing the blessings of being an LGBTQ family. Each week, we will bring you lessons we've learned through our own lives, the experiences of families we've worked with, and conversations with amazing experts. All right. Hi. Hello, ladies. You know, I have to say this every time because my husband mocks me. Hello, ladies. <laughs> I'm like, I love my ladies. But ladies, we have a amazing guest with us today, somebody that is sought after often. And I have it in because I have known this gentleman for, we just figured out 17 years and he's probably one of my favorite people in the world. His name is David Doyle. Some of you might be familiar with him. He's pretty famous in the LGBTQ community. What is it? Your handle is the nerdy. Oh uh, yes. I have a blog and it's called nerdy gay Mormon. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. And so, um, David is, um, a man of many talents. Um, he could play the piano beautifully. He is our stake executive secretary. He has made our stake presidency cooler than they could possibly be. I could say this because my husband's in it, um, in his videos, like the youth, the youth love David. Like he used to be our stake young men's president. I mean, you just, you named the talent. He could make, make mean cookies. David has it. And so, um, I, our lives have been blessed with this friendship. Like we just said, 17 years. And he has, um, like in his manner, created some amazing, um, information for us in our LGBTQ community. And so we are just going to talk with David and talk about his life story and a little bit about some of the resources today that will help you in your leadership colleagues. So welcome, David. Thank you. Thank so you. Excited. Thank you for taking your time to be with us. It's going to yeah. be. Well, I'm very honored. I, I I know Lift and Love. You guys do amazing work, and I really appreciate the positivity that you bring into this space. Yeah, well, that is the aim, right? We don't want to make it a negative space, or you know, we want it a place where Christ can be with us in this. Um, absolutely. I mean, I think that's the only way to to stay there. So tell us how. Give us a little bit of your background, growing up, and then um, talk to us. Bring us all the way to the present in your life. Okay. So uh, I, I don't know if Jenny mentioned that I'm gay. So that's, part, that's an important <laughs> That's true. I should have. Okay. That too. So I'm a gay member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I'm 50 years old. I was born in 1970. Yay, 1970. Uh, <laughs> which means I was a teenager in the 1980s. I attended two different high schools. And I was just thinking last week about that. One had over 2,000 students and the other had about 1,500 and I don't think either school had anyone who was out as gay or, or bi or lesbian. You know, it was a different oh, time. That's true. I mean, we're the same age, David, and I can't remember anybody. And we had like 4,000 students in Atlanta. So, yeah. Yeah. So if today someone told me they would go to a high school with 2,000 students, I would assume at least 100 to 150 would be out oh, there. For sure. Yeah. And come yeah. to so, And middle school now, right? It's really, yeah, middle school for sure. Yeah. yeah. So there's a lot of work to do still, but things are definitely getting better. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. So how was that for you growing up gay? Um, 
I don't know if I don't know if straight people understand what it's like to figure out that you're different than than what you thought you were growing up because I was raised the same as everybody else and and my path was that I was going to grow up and marry a woman you know like all the all the milestones you get a crush on a girl and you'll hold her hand and when you're 14 you get to dance with like my whole life is has is planned out on the same thing as everybody else and I thought I was that way and and when when you figure out that oh, maybe I like guys too. And then it's, I don't think I ever actually like girls that way, you know? Mm-hmm. It's not just figuring that out, but it changes your whole perception of yourself because you you grew up with a certain identity that isn't true. And, and so you sort of have to re, it shakes the whole foundations of who you are. Oh, I'm how, sure. yeah. How old were you when you realized, oh, this doesn't work for me? Um... So I, I don't know, I, I don't know enough about girls to know if they have the same thing, but boys, you know, they are, when, when they, when their sex drive kicks in, they start Mm -hmm. producing and, and so there needs to be a discharge if they're not, uh, uh, so uh, often at at night they will have, uh, uh, nocturnal drink, I mean, uh, erotic drinks and, and, uh, and so the people in my dreams were always male and that that worried me i mean i felt like i was broken because i no one ever i i don't know any, i didn't know anyone who was gay i didn't know any kind of story to go with this all i knew is everything i've been taught about what will make a happy life is suddenly off the table to me and i don't know what my future is i just and i don't i can tell anyone so i'm just alone trying yes, to yes i was thinking how lonely and painful that time must have been oh absolutely and you know i'm not sure anyone's i've ever heard anybody tell me that they had dreams about men yeah but that t- makes completely sense right? it makes great sense and it's so uh, uh, you know it's um it's unbidden right like your dreams are just going to do what they're, they're you know we don't get yeah. to decide that's yeah, really decide, fascinating right. yeah yeah Oh, yeah, that's really interesting. Cool. But, but you went on and served a mission and did all the things. So how did you power through that? Yeah, so um, I graduated from high school in 89 and my bishop called me in to talk about uh, beginning the paperwork for um, uh, to go on a mission. The bishop did. And uh, he could tell I was not enthusiastic and told me to go home and pray about the Book of Mormon and Joseph Smith and if the church is true. And I went home and prayed. but not about those things. Hmm. I, I asked Heavenly Father, do you love me? All of me? Do you love who I am and what I am? And that's as far as I got into prayer. And I just felt love and warmth completely enveloped me and goosebumps going up and down my body. And I heard a voice say, you are not broken. Oh, that's so beautiful. And that really sustained me for a long time. But, you know, now that I'm older, I think how sad that somebody grew up in this church, went to primary and youth programs and didn't know. Yeah. Well, that was questioning. So much negativity said about gay people. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So much damage that you've had to undo from all those years. But so with that, I was able to carry on and I served a mission in South Korea and I went to the church schools in Idaho and Utah. And I'm, 
that's tough. I, I have a lot of happy memories from those schools, but there's also a lot of stress. Uh, I mean, the honor code was different back in the 90s. So basically, you couldn't even say that you were gay without without being in trouble, you know. So, right. so I was in the closet and I don't, there's not a lot I want to say about my 20s and 30s other than I did tell a few people over the years, but I mostly stayed in the closet. I had a boss who was LDS. I had a landlord who was a member of the church. So to come out would come with a really high cost. I would have to change schools. I might have to leave the church. I would lose my job. I would lose my residence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I sure felt very unsafe to really say it. Yeah. Yeah. So so it kept my world intact. Yep. Um, And, but also sometimes during those years, I would get a really clear message from the Lord that it's okay to seek a relationship. And that confused me because I'm going to a church that says that's not allowed ever. Mm -hmm. And, and I didn't know what that meant. God's going to fix a church and then I can have a boyfriend or if just go for it and, and whatever it is, it, it is. Uh, I just knew that those messages were always accompanied by feelings of calm and, and clarity and, and feeling settled, you know, like the, the way that we identify the spirit. So yeah. I was certain they were from the Lord. I just didn't know what to do with it. And I didn't trust it enough to act on it. Mm-hmm. And uh so there's not a lot of other things I want to share from that time, but I did get a job at a university eventually that had a partner benefits because I knew I would be safe if I came out and if they found out I'm gay mm-hmm. and wanted to keep some options open. So if I did get a boyfriend, did get that relationship that we could, you know, have a life and yeah, and that. And I like- I like that where you you found safety for yourself and and comfort. You yeah, know, I like that that kind of preservation self preservation that you went for. I like that. That's good. So as I was approaching forty, is when I started thinking, what's the point of having a life if I'm never going to live? And mm. I, it was well past time to come out, and I wanted to be out, and I felt like I was at a place in my life where. Even if things started, even if I lost things, I had enough stuff in place that I would be okay. Yeah. Um, what I didn't know at the time, I hadn't yet been diagnosed with social anxiety disorder. So making a big announcement was too hard. Mm-hmm. Putting a big post on Facebook, I just, my anxiety would spike and I couldn't do that. But I did, I was determined and I started coming out one-on-one, one-by-one to people, uh, especially if they try to set me up on a date or they... <laughs> We're like, bro, why aren't you married yet? And I'm like, well, I want to be, but it's illegal. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good way to answer it. I love that. And how did those, uh, did those experiences generally go well for you? And so they kind of built your confidence? Yes. Um, One thing about members of our church, they usually are really kind, uh, especially to your face. (laughs) (laughs) You'd be surprised, but uh, they, you know, we're part of a community and, and, Uh, generally people reacted well and that did build my confidence. And I told more and more people. And after a while, you sort of lose control of that. There's enough people that it just starts spreading. Um, But there's a dissonance I had, an internal dissonance that started going away as, as the person I felt I was on the inside 
came more into alignment with the way I presented myself to people. Mm. And I think other people noticed because I started getting promotions at work and my callings at church changed to have more responsibility. About two years after I started coming out to people, I was uh, asked to serve in the stadium and presidency. And I served there for three years. And was amazing. <laughs> like literally amazing. <laughs> I, uh, I had parents that would seek me out. People I never had talked to about, about me being gay, but they found me and wanted to talk about their gay or lesbian teenager. And, and uh, they were always upset that what had brought them the most happiness and purpose and sense of meaning to life was church and family. And their kid can't have both of those. It's one or the other. There's no win-win situation here. Yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a painful place to be. Uh, it feels very familiar. And what I, what you, the listeners don't understand is like, David is very well known in our state. Like he is a personality. He DJs the dances for the kids. Like, like, it's not that I know kids would not, it's not just that you were gay that they opened up. Like you were a safe person for everything. Like you relate really well with the youth. And I think that was, um, because Dave and I have been the stake about the same time. I think that was like a lynch, like you being the stake young men's president. Like I felt like that was kind of a watershed place for our stake where not that we're the best LGBTQ stake, but I think you made it a safer place for all of our members in our state yeah. because well, of your willingness to like, just tell your story. That's what I was thinking. Even just the fact that there, that a gay man is in um, a position of authority like that, just it just radiates safeness, right? Yeah. And respect. Yeah. Like, like you know that the state president has respect for his LGBTQ individuals and and sees them exactly for who they are. Well, and I think David was put in there to teach us. Yes. Don't you, I don't David? think this I don't think the state president knew at that time, but I think I I think others in the leadership knew. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, but the Lord knew. And the Lord knew too. the state president. Yeah. I had well, teens who, who came out to me uh, and those were really, those were really sacred moments. Mm. So let me tell you, 2015 was a wild year for me. I was the Sikkiman president, but gay marriage became legal in Florida. Thanks to the Supreme court ruling. The first presidency put out a letter to be read in all the wards. There was a new, policy put in the handbook that basically kicked out gay couples and their kids. And, and um, I'd been at wards where the letter was read and heard people saying all kinds of hurtful things about gay people. And I saw their online comments and uh, I felt like I was making a difference in my calling at church, but I didn't, I didn't want to go back to church with people who thought so horribly about someone like me. Yeah. And I was really angry at God and I was yelling at him and uh, saying, why did you let me stay in the church, this church, which obviously doesn't want me. And, and I have now seen a, a level of a, a, a depth of fear and, and intolerance and, uh, that in members that I hadn't noticed that I hadn't seen before. And I don't think queer people fit here. And, and how can this be your church if not all your children are welcome here? And, and um, 
So as I, as I was yelling at the ceiling, I got an answer. And a voice said, that same spirit voice said, it's fine to leave this church. <sighs> but if you're willing to stay, there's a special work for you to do. And, and I, I wasn't done being angry. And I, I, I said, um, you know, the cost for me to be in church is high and the price just higher. And I have no way to determine if a special work is the price I'll have to pay to stay. And, and then the spirit gave me some specifics. And, and I, I went back into my notes from 2015. If I stayed, I would get to help young gay Mormons accept themselves. I would speak to leaders and help them better understand. I would speak to the youth of my stake about being gay and, and maybe have a chance to share my story as a gay man. And wow. I thought really hard about that and decided those were important things to be a part of. And I decided to stay. And uh, two or three weeks later, the state president pulled me in and said the spirit had been really working on him hard. And, and he... It was clear to him I needed to be the state executive secretary. And um, oh. I think he knows I wasn't really thrilled about that. I thought me and God had mm-hmm. to fill. But uh, it's, after a couple of months, I saw in order for this other special work to happen, I needed to be in this position. Wow. And so. Um, yeah, so David went from stake young men's president to state executive secretary. Yes, yes, I can see how that would have been a hard working with the kids to <laughs> working to, with to all scheduling them. appointments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you were telling the story, there's a couple of things that came to me. One, God could take your anger. He can handle it. Yeah, he can handle it. And if you want to be mad at God, go ahead. Like, and he could, and he, uh, he he understood it, right? He goes, "Yeah, I get it. This and, is this, this hard." Yeah, and. And Jenny and I talk about this a lot. Like the Lord says, like, ask or yell, which I've been known to do. And I've been known to boss the Lord around a few times. Like, (laughs) I can't do this without you. And you know what? He can handle it. And he knows our disposition and he knows the pressures that you are under and that Jenny, you know, that each of us as parents and children and all of that. Yeah. Love that. Like. Your answer came because you were angry and you were <laughs> angry enough to say to the Lord, you know, you weren't saying it. To I was him. honest. You were yeah. honest and you went to your father who you knew could help you with this. Right, right. Because usually those moments, we don't even want to pray. So for the fact that you were praying and talking to the Lord shows how your humbleness and your willingness to him to continue to be part of your story, because yeah. it was yeah. a very painful moment for you. So. Yeah. And yeah, you deserve the that. anger. I mean, and he knew that. Yeah. And he gave you choices, which I love too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was beautiful. And I, I love that he never, you know, he, he was always there. Your, your answers were just both like, you're perfect the way you want to be. You know, whatever you do is good. Yes. I love that. Okay, thank Five you. Five and a half years uh, since then. Wow. Both the state executive secretary. I've, I've been very fortunate that the state youth have continued to invite me, invite me to be part of youth conferences and DJ their dances and be involved in their activities. So it's really amazing that for almost nine years, there's been a single gay man that's in a leadership position that the youth of my stake know and see 
it's, it's really unusual. Very. And but so I, it makes such a difference in our state because I live in our state. I know like it, like just the fact that, and I remember um, President Hal saying this one time where, it, who was the state president before, where he's like, people would come up to him and say, do you know your executive secretary is gay? And he'd be like, uh-huh. <laughs> and then there's just like this pause. And I was like, every time that happened, what a great opportunity that somebody else learned, somebody's heart was changed, right? Mm-hmm. Like that you were, um, you were there, you're, you're there for a purpose. Like the Lord's like, if you're going to stay, I'm going to like, which I think is a good message for all of us. If you can find the way to stay, even though it might not feel safe or be painful, the Lord will use you for good. Like you will, you will change lives. And that's what's happened in your story, David, right? Like, like you, you wanted to leave and he gave you the choice. And, you know, from that time, it was, you said five and a half years, like, has it got easier for you? Uh, there still has been a price to pay, though. Mm, yeah, definitely. Um, but, you know, so I, I told you what the list of four things were. So let me tell you quickly. Um, I spoke at a sick youth fireside about being a gay member and shared a message for LGBT youth. Wow. I've gotten a couple opportunities to share my story, including today on Lift and Love. <laughs> I, um, I thought I would get to speak to ward and stake youth leaders and bishops about, you know, because one of the things was I I talked to leaders and help them better understand, but because I'm because I'm with the state presidency when general authorities come to visit, they bump into this gay man and they have to interact with me. And and often they uh often they invite me to stay in touch or they invite me to meet with them next time I go to Utah. So I get to have conversations that would never happen otherwise. And I uh, I started a blog on Tumblr, which we mentioned earlier. And I write about my, I, I want, I, I was thinking how there's not really a real representative example of what it's like to be a gay member of the church. And, and not that I'm, not that I'm, you know, representative of everybody, but I thought if, if I could be one story that's out there, and so I write about my experiences and I write about those conversations I have with, with uh, 70s and apostles. And I write about when I, about being suicidal and, and going to therapy. And I shared the eulogy that I had written. Um, and I, I share the queer positive messages I find in the scriptures and the love our heavenly parents have. And, and I, I want people, I, I'm writing it for myself, but I also am hoping other LGBTQ Latter-day Saints find it, and it helps push back against the negative messages that they've heard and helps build resilience in them and helps them understand that they are loved and treasured by their heavenly parents. And uh, one of those, one of my blog posts went viral, and as a result, thousands and thousands of people have messaged me. mostly um, queer youth and 20-somethings. And but it's also been bishops and state presidents and members of the high council. And, and, and they ask, well, they usually ask one or two questions. I'll, t- I'll tell you what those are. But uh, it's because of that that I came up with the list that we're going to talk about today. And, and I think, like, I was there one time. I hope you don't mind me sharing the story where we had a visiting general authority and we were at dinner. And, like, David 
like what I want to say here is like, you don't hide that you're gay. Like you live your life as a gay man who was LDS. And this man was going around talking to him about marriages <laughs> and he turns to David, he's like, well, why aren't you married? And it was, and he, and he was a lovely general authority, but like, it was clearly, it was very uncomfortable and very uncomfortable for David. And like, David, I loved how like the next day you sat down and talked to him and said like this, that didn't you kind of have a conversation? Like that was uncomfortable. Yes. The next day he and I, um, well, he, he realized that things hadn't gone well. I wonder if the state president mentioned something to him. <laughs> he was like overly friendly at first. And I was like, okay, fine. I'll take it. And, yeah. and let's talk. And, and by the time, by the time state conference was over, he said, let's drop titles. You're David. I'm Claudio. We're friends. Come see me in Salt Lake. I've been there a couple of times and he always takes me out to eat. Um, if it weren't for the pandemic, I was, I was supposed to meet him at his home and with his wife. And we were, so, you know, it's more than just um, let's sit down and have a formal conversation in, in, in the church office building. We, we've become friends because yes, of yeah. I love and that's, it. And that's, that's what I think I wish the listeners would know. I wish they knew David on a personal level. Like I get the opportunity because David has like, is a, such an amazing personality that because the Lord has put him in this place and he has true to himself and living his truth, it changes hearts. And it's just like all of his gifts are part of him being gay, you know? And now he's like, it's almost like a butterfly to me, David, like you lived small life small until you came out. And now you're like, no, all of this is beautiful about me. And you're living into that truth and people can't help but be attracted to that, want to be with that. And plus you have such a strong testimony and relationship with Christ. I mean, it's clear in the story, the story of your inspiration and your relationship that it, it's been, you've nurtured that this entire journey for you. And this is where you are now today, where you have the strong relationship hearing him, even though it's, it's not like everything was made easy for you. It's still a struggle to stay, yeah. but you still choose it. Yeah. Well, and David, I wanted to say when you were talking about your the fulfillment of your your um, four points, right? So one of the things that I've really been praying for is for guidance for presidents and youth leaders for their kids, and we expect a lot out of our youth and and bishops, their youth leaders and bishops, but we don't. They don't know a lot of them don't know what to do when they have LGBTQ kids in their wards and stakes. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that I'd really been looking for was like uh, resources for them. And praying for like even. Yeah. Oh yeah. And just, and, and I've tried a couple of different avenues that haven't worked out and um, I've been doing this for months. And then you sent this list of 10 things that we can put out on lift and love. And the, the many, many people there will be able to take it into their, their wards and their stakes. And I mean, it's like, it feels really special that you, this is a really beautiful list and it's, it's easy. We're going to go through these things, but it's really um, comprehensive and it's easy for bishops and youth leaders to, to take these things, to learn from them and to, to do these things in their wards. And it's your work and your pain that put the list together and it will go out to many. Yeah. 
Great. Many, many, many wards and help many people. So we'll, we will have this on the Lift and Love website under resources. Um, and let's, let's go, let's go through it. And Jenny, you'll have it. I'm on um, Jenny Hunter coaching. And on my Instagram too. Yep. So, and, and we'll have it on Instagram and I'll, I'll have it there often. So you'll be able to and, see it. And you, and I think the listeners should realize like this was not crafted overnight, like because of all of David's experience, how many years have you crafted and made this list? So I had the viral blog post in 2000, in April, 2017. And what was the blog post that went viral? So our listeners can find oh. it, link it. Yeah. So I'll send you a link to it, but it was Thanks. basically just me retelling the story of the first 70 that I met in this calling and telling him I'm gay and the kindness and love that he showed to me. And mm. it's just a very simple story, but it touched a lot of people to, to, to read that. I love it. Great. We'll link that too. Yeah. To the blog post. Okay. And so then I, and so I got messages and in June of that year is when I put the first version of this together and posted it. So I've been tweaking it since then, but you know, it's, it's been, it's been out there in some form for five years. Awesome. I love it. I'm so glad you were inspired to put this together because this is really what we need. I mean, this is something that you learn by experience, how to mm-hmm. nurture and care for our LGBTQ people in our wards and stakes and families. Like it's kind of a learn as you go process right now. Yeah. And, and- yeah, the list coming from you, David, is way more impactful than if Allison and I put together yeah. because you've lived this, right? Yeah. Thank you for joining our podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the Lift and Love podcast. And if you like what we share, we would be so grateful if you would leave us a five-star rating. For more tips and resources, follow us on Instagram and Facebook under Lift and Love Org and Jenny Hunter Coaching. You can also go to liftandlove.org for loads of information and entry into our free support groups. If you're interested in personal coaching, sign up at jennyhuntercoaching.com. The first appointment is free. But most importantly, remember, you are not alone in this journey. We are building a community of thriving and faithful LGBTQ families who are here to lift and love you.